cousin Lily, who'd been chatting to some of their friends and neighbours, made her way to the back of the coach and sat next to Ruby. She was a pretty blonde and petite. Ruby admired her lightweight pale lemon lawn dress with tiny white dots all over it. As she moved, it flowed around her body, showing every contour. I've just got engaged, she announced as she sat down beside them. What? Again? The words slipped out of Ruby's mouth before she had time to think. Well, it is a whole month since I broke off with Tommy Dixon, said Lily indignantly. She held out her left hand for them to admire her ring. This was Lily's third engagement in two years. As soon as she'd left school, she got herself engaged to William Warner, breaking it off almost as soon as she'd put on the diamond solitaire he'd given her. Ruby felt sorry for him. She knew it had taken William the best part of a whole year to save up for the ring, but as soon as his mother found out what he'd done, the engagement was off. Tommy Dixon hadn't fared much better either. He and Lily had been stepping out for about three months when he'd given her a pretty ring with a diamond cluster and a small emerald at the centre. The engagement had lasted barely a month. Ruby had been sad to see Tommy go. He was a nice man, and now here Lily was with another ring a minuscule ruby inside a diamond-shaped setting. Lucky girl, said Ruby. What's his name? Hubert Periwinkle, said Lily. She glanced round as Ruby and her mother struggled not to laugh. I know, I know, said Lily. It's a ghastly name, isn't it? Mrs Lily Periwinkle. Oof. She held her hand up to the light. Nice ring, though. So, when's the wedding? said Bee pointedly. I haven't decided yet, said Lily firmly. It was pleasant driving around the Sussex lanes. After Berry Hill, they took in the villages of Fittleworth and Storrington before returning to Findon and High Salvington Mill. Ruby was always interested in her surroundings. She hadn't been far in her life, to Eastbourne once when she was a small child and to Chichester on the bus a few times, but she longed to travel and see something of the world. Her passion was kindled when she found a magazine in the rubbish bin in one of the rooms she cleaned. Ruby smuggled it home. She felt sure if she'd asked Mrs Fosdyke if she could have it, the woman would have said no. And curling up beside the fire in the late evening, devoured its pages. Under a picture of a boy with several huge bunches of green bananas on his bicycle, there was an article about Uganda. It made Ruby long to see the Bujagali Falls and to eat beans, rice and vegetables with the locals. As the coach climbed the hill away from the gallops, Ruby made her way down to the front to see Dr Palmer. Happily, he was looking a lot better and was sitting up talking to Albert and her father. We're about to stop at the mill, sir, she said. How are you feeling? Much better, thank you, Miss Bateman, the doctor smiled. In fact, I've had a wonderful afternoon. He patted the seat beside him, and Ruby lowered herself down. "'We shall be having tea when we get there,' she said. "'You're welcome to join us, sir.' "'And would I be right in guessing that if I say yes, "'you'll be giving up your own tea, Miss Bateman?' His merry eyes twinkled as he saw her discomfort, and he chuckled. "'You have a big heart, Miss Bateman,' he said, patting her hand. "'Don't let anyone shrink it.' "'Here we are, folks,' Cecil called, and the coach pulled up. Built in 1750, the old timber roundhouse underneath the mill had been replaced at the turn of the century, and tea-rooms installed. 
The mill itself, which was said to be the last working post mill in Worthing, had been going for a hundred and fifty years. Cecil stepped down and threw open the door of the coach. Toilets over there to the left, he pointed. Just as Ruby had feared, Albert was waiting for her when she got off the coach, but stepping to one side she managed to put Cecil and her father between them. As the passengers made their way out of the coach, the children ran across the grass to let off steam, whooping and shouting as they went. The tea that had been laid on for them looked absolutely delicious. Ruby's mouth watered as she gazed at the Sussex lardy johns, scones and jam, Sussex plum heavies and the Victoria sponge that graced the snow-white tablecloth next to the rows of cups and saucers. By the time they sat down, Cecil Turner had already asked the caterers to lay on an extra tea so that Dr Palmer could join them. Ruby heaved a sigh of relief. There was no need for her to...